Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. Today I'm joined by Matt. Hello. And today we are going to focus, start our series that will hopefully be ongoing about someone that you should know. And our first profile uh, that I'm going to be telling Matt about is called Elizabeth Paratrovich. Hopefully I'm saying her name correctly. Have you heard of this name before? I have not. Okay. So this uh, person was suggested to me by amazing listener of the podcast, Aurora. We appreciate her input. And I got the information about Elizabeth from Wikipedia, federalhighwayadministration.org, which is interesting, and we'll talk about that later, and firstnations.org. So... Elizabeth was born July 4th, 1911, in Petersburg, Alaska. She was a member of a clan that I'm going to spell out because I'm not going to try to mispronounce it. It's L-U-K-A-A-X-A-D-I, and uh, I guess it stands for the uh, Coho Salmon Clan, in the Raven lineage of the Tlingit Nation. Make sure I honor that correctly. I don't want to not honor her by saying that incorrectly. She did have a native name that was given to her at that point um, that is spelled K-A-A-X-G-A-L dot A-A-T. And that stands for a person who packs for themselves. Now that comes into play because this person was pretty amazing and independent. She... uh, was orphaned at a pretty young age. She was adopted by Andrew and Jean Wanamaker, and they are the ones that gave her the name Elizabeth Jean. So, any thoughts so far? No. (laughs) Looking forward to hearing about it. (laughs) I haven't even told you what she'd done yet. Are you still excited? Yeah. (laughs) So, she went to school, uh, did go to college a little bit in Alaska, and college actually eventually brought her down to Bellingham for a little bit of time to attend Western Washington University. She married Roy Scott Paratrovich, and he was also Tlingit uh, Tlingit and Croatian, and they had three children together. Um, And what really was most important about her life and what we're here to talk about today is her activism. She was an amazing activist that as I discovered, actually has been put out in the world, but somehow is still a pretty unknown name. I think it kind of reminds me of Claudette Colvin, <laughs> because it's, it's an unsung hero of the activism world that everybody should know her name. Yeah. So her and her husband were pretty active together as activists. They both fought pretty extensive social and racial discrimination against Alaska Alaska Native people. They were one of the first families to live in a non-Native neighborhood, which I can only imagine how stressful that was. And their son was one of the first Indigenous children to attend public school there. Now, I just want to take a pause here and just talk briefly a minute for the fact that this is going to get into some pretty ugly things about racism. There's some some signs in particular that they were fighting against. That was one of the first parts of activism they did. But to think that there was 
you know, you think about Alaska as kind of the great wilderness, right? The the last frontier, the last bastion of freedom, I guess, kind of. Um, and yet, it it doesn't escape racism. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> it rears its ugly head everywhere. And of all the people to have the best claim for terrible racist legislation and actions and murders and every other terrible thing that comes along with that, uh, you know, First Nations people, indigenous populations, I would say, have the best claim, although it's probably the least talked about. Agreed. So while she was uh, living in Juneau with her family, they, her and her husband were both encountering pretty severe discrimination uh, around housing and around using public facilities. And specifically, they petitioned the governor to prohibit signs or places posting signs stating things like no natives allowed and no dogs, no natives. No dogs, no natives. I mean, that is just disgusting. There were places where uh, people would say Marines stay off the grass on their, on their uh, <laughs> military discrimination back when... Uh, they weren't revered so much as... <laughs> That's incredible. But, uh, but yeah, it just, it just goes along with the dehumanization that racism brings with it. Um, they did attempt some uh, legislation pretty early on around anti-discrimination. The first time that they did it, um, it, that bill actually failed, but they continued to raise awareness and, and active, uh, be active. They were both high-ranking representatives of the Alaska Native Brotherhood and Alaska Native Sisterhood. And at one point, Elizabeth was actually serving as the Grand President of the Alaska Native Sisterhood. So um, they were both very, very active in trying to get those anti-discrimination laws on the books. They continued to bring attention and advocate around that. And she even spoke at one point to the Alaska Senate. Um, calling for the equal treatment of indigenous peoples. And this is a little snippet I'm going to read to you of that particular situation. In reaction to the bill, this is a quote from Wikipedia, Juno Territorial Senator Alan Shattuck asked, Who are these people barely out of savagery? That just makes me so angry. Who are these people barely out of savagery? who want to associate with us whites with 5,000 years of recorded civilization behind us. I just want to take a second to realize how ignorant and awful that is. Yeah. Elizabeth responded, I would not have expected that I, who am barely out of savagery, would have to remind gentlemen with 5,000 years of recorded civilization behind them of our Bill of Rights. Mic drop. Love it. I love that an ed educated indigenous woman was able to clap back in the middle of a Senate session because... Yeah, and she's barely out of savagery. God damn Oh, that's so disgusting. I can't even. Oh, so, um, what's wonderful is that thanks to her advocacy and her husband's and I'm sure many other people that were helping that along, Alaska actually passed a law that was a full 20 years prior to the Federal Civil Rights Act. 
1945, it was actually the country's first anti-discrimination law that required, quote, full and equal accommodations, facilities, and privileges to all citizens in places of public accommodations within the jurisdiction of the Territory of Alaska and to provide penalties for violation. So 20 years before the Civil Rights Act of the United States. I mean, we all think about, we think back in history about the Civil Rights Act in the 60s, but this was fully going on in the 40s in Alaska. When you think about Alaska in the 40s, I mean, my ignorant white teachings only make me think of like the gold rush and stuff, you know? Yeah, it was rural then. But apparently not rural, not, not as rural as we thought it was. Um, and apparently much more racist than I thought it was. So they were the first territory or state to end the Jim Crow uh, laws or put it into that since 18 states banned discrimination in public accommodations in the three decades following the Civil War. So Alaska leading the way. Somehow did not ever hear about that. Impressive. So many of her family papers, news clippings, and civil rights works have been held at the Smithsonian at the Museum of the American Indian in Washington, D.C., which is pretty cool. I unfortunately have never been to the Smithsonian. I think I would need to take a month off to see everything in the Smithsonian. That's what I hear. Uh, but I'm glad that her, her papers and, and remembrance are there. She actually died December 1st of 1958 at the age of 47, unfortunately, um, after battling breast cancer. So it's weird because Wikipedia says that she died in Seattle, but I did not find any reference of her actually ever living in Seattle. And she's buried in Juneau. So I can't confirm any of that. I'm just telling you what the Wikipedia page says. In 1988, uh, Alaska state legislature declared February 16th, which I just missed last month, as Elizabeth Paratrovich Day. And that is ongoing. I did, when I was looking up things, the firstnations.org, their offices were closed down this last February to honor that day. Her picture is actually hanging on the wall at the Department of Transportation. Um, I'm... I read through their article at the Department of Transportation. I'm not really exactly sure how they fit in, but they have pictures of civil rights leaders up on their wall in their main headquarters, and she is one of them. Wow, nice. There's also a bronze bust of her in the lobby of the state capitol. Now, I'm not from Alaska, so I didn't know that, but that's a thing. And uh, last uh, December, December 30th, 2020, I found that Google had done a little, you know, they have those doodles on the top and they celebrate someone. So last December, December 30th, 2020, was celebrating Elizabeth. And they also, uh, if you Google it, <laughs> Google the Google, uh, they used an Alaska-based artist named Michaela Goad, G-O-A-D-E, and the picture's pretty cool. It's got a nice native art behind her. Let them do it on February 16th. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, I'm not sure why it was December 30th, but yeah, they should have done it on February 16th. And uh, lastly, Feb last February, February tw of 2020, so I guess there's two things good to come out of 2020, is that the U.S. Mint actually released $5 million $1 coins commemorating the anti-discrimination law of 1945. Good. 
So at least that one was in February since February 16th is her day. <laughs> so that is the story of Elizabeth Paratrovich. Thank you. What do you think? I know that wasn't a very long story, but sadly, uh, I'm sure it would have been a lot longer had she lived longer. And I know her children, some of her children are still active in anti-discrimination stuff and tribal rights. It's always enlightening to hear about a woman pioneer in civil rights. Absolutely. I love to hear about figures in history that I'm sure have been brought to my attention one way or another, but it was in a way that I might have been busy or not paying attention enough. And thankfully, Drunk History and <laughs> some other shows like that have have brought some really great people to my attention and made, made it known because sadly our history classes really don't focus on the things we should be learning about. Agree. <laughs> not still not sure why I had to watch the musical Oklahoma in Washington State history class, <laughs> but whatever. So uh, thanks again to Aurora for bringing this wonderful woman into my view and and knowledge and database. And if anyone else out there has someone, it doesn't necessarily have to be a woman or necessarily civil rights, but if you have someone that you want to spotlight. Someone that people should be aware of and just kind of know. We can do these quick little segments on letting people know about people in history that are important. And people we should know about. Definitely people we should know about. You know, take some time. Get some knowledge in people. You might as well know some of the good things about life because someday... We'll all be dead. 